Thank you for joining the Move the Stairs podcast. I'm Diane Mulligan with my colleagues Mitch Jelniger and Jordan Sherman. You may be wondering, what does Move the Stairs mean? It's our philosophy, how we look at every challenge as an opportunity. When you move the stairs, you take the steps other people might not. Creating customer loyalty, nurturing great relationships with the media, and building a resilient CBD hemp and medical marijuana brand. Over the next 20 minutes or so, we'll talk with the brightest minds, the savviest business leaders, and reporters in the CBD space. You'll learn how brand protection PR can help your CBD, hemp, or medical marijuana business stand head and shoulders above your competitors. And you'll be on your way to making the most of any challenge. That's what we call Move the Stairs. Let's get started. Welcome to the Move the Stairs, episode 71. We're recording on Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. And we are so happy you're joining us for today's exciting conversation. Yeah, we are really excited. We have a special guest joining us from the co-founder of Veterinary Cannabis Society, Charles Lozo. He's going to be joining us to talk more about the science behind using CBD for pet wellness and examining just how we can talk about that through the eyes of brand protection PR. You know, when we talk about brand protection PR, we always start with customer loyalty. And as the CBD market continues to emerge for people, more pet owners are taking an interest in how cannabinoids may not only help them, but their four-legged friends. And educating your customers about CBD and pets provides a huge opportunity for companies to further develop loyal customers. Absolutely. We're also going to talk about how companies can educate the press about CBD and pets as part of their insider media relations strategy. And then finally, we're going to talk about how CBD businesses that make products for pets can increase their brand resiliency in the face of regulatory changes. All right, so let's get started and let's bring Charles into the conversation. Hi, Charles. How are you? I'm fine. Good afternoon, Diane. It's so great to see you. And thank you for joining us on the Move the Stairs podcast today. You know, I'd love to learn more about you and your organization. So can you give us a, a little primer? I can. I'm here today on behalf of the Veterinary Cannabis Society, which is a 501c3 nonprofit founded in 2020. As one of three co-founders and the purpose of the organization is to uh, protect the safety and welfare of animals, protect consumers and guide and, uh, producers of veterinary cannabinoid products. So in layman's terms, those are CBD and cannabinoid products for pets. My own background is I grew up on a farm in Northern Ontario during my key youth years. Somehow made it into law school, practiced as a litigator in New York, defending Merck and other large pharmaceuticals and product liability. Have an extensive background in IP. And in 2015, I got deeply immersed in the cannabis landscape because I was very uh, disturbed that Californians had given access to medical cannabis to themselves for almost 20 years at that time. But no one thought to give access to canines or felines with similar conditions. Well, that's exciting and quite the background you have, Charles. Um, we usually break up the podcast into um, three different sections. We're going to start with customer loyalty uh, because being educated on important issues surrounding cannabis and its impacts on pets is a really important factor in building trust and loyalty with your customers. 
And Charles, I'm, I'm interested, what do we know about how cannabis impacts the most common house pets, which in my mind is cats and dogs, and what cannabinoids are offering the most promise for pet wellness? Well, thanks. Those are great questions, and I'm going to take them. There's two parts to it. So what do we know about how cannabis impacts the most common house pets, canines, felines? And I always start with the VCS's position that we need to be really clear on nomenclature. What are we talking about? Cannabis, cannabis uh, technically and scientifically is a genus that includes hemp and marijuana. So when you think about pets, you need to keep these things in mind for cats and dogs when you think about how cannabis could impact them. First of all, cats and dogs have endocannabinoid systems, ECS systems like humans. And like humans, most of the conditions that uh, show successful outcomes using cannabinoids can also be treated in canines and felines. So uh, commonly people take CBD for arthritis inflammation. There's a growing body of evidence that that, the, that molecule will help canines and felines. Um, another important fact uh, to keep in mind when you ask about how cannabinoids impact common house pets is uh, one of the key principles of VCS, which is education, the Veterinary Cannabis Society believes that an educated consumer is really important. And this is kind of right in the point of your question, which is human cannabis hemp products are not appropriate for pets. And that may be a surprise or maybe it isn't a surprise because we know <laughs> that there's no recreational CBD or cannabis for pets, right? They don't want to go around and get high. That's not the point. But what happens, and this is a story that was related directly to me in 2018, when in California, much like uh, other very uh, early adopters, Colorado, you had um, pets in the, in the house being exposed to legal cannabis. And one of the stories that I heard from a prominent vet in 2018 that really motivated me was, and this is quoting, a client came into his office with a dog that had uh, recently been diagnosed with a, a mast cell tumor, MCT, which can be benign or which can be um, cancerous. And older dogs, you can see those lumps, right? And, uh, and you don't know. She panicked at the diagnosis and went to a dispensary. This is in California. Dispensary sold her three products, a one-to-one -one oil, a one-to-100 CBD dominant oil, and two different 100-to-1 THC dominant oils, and an unlabeled syringe. The client had no idea what to do. And fortunately, she brought all of this stuff to the veterinarian when the dispensary told her give them some of this and use the others as topicals. She brought all this to the vet and the vet said, wait a minute, number one rule, <laughs> human cannabis hemp products are not appropriate for pets. So in the realm of what do we know about how cannabis impacts the most common house pets? First rule is look for pet products, products right. that are designed with the appropriate potency and ratios for your cat or dog. Um, 
one of the scientific aspects that's coming out in the evidence as you examine the endocannabinoids of canines, for example, is that they happen to have the highest number of CB1 receptors in the hind structures of their brains, such as the cerebellum, the brainstem, and the medulla oblongata, which means they can have a higher sensitivity to cannabinoids, including uh, CBD and all the other panel of known cannabinoids we're using it as a medical agents these days. So you have to kind of keep that in mind, which kind of justifies the first rule that human products are not appropriate for pets. And I think that also, you know, when you go to your vet, the vet knows what other drugs that the, uh, the animals are on. And so we also have to be very careful of understanding how even if you use a pet related CBD product, is that going to impact how the other medications will actually work? Um, if your animal, for instance, if your animal has uh, thyroid issues or something of that nature. So it's really important to work closely with your vet is what you're saying. Well, that's exactly correct because there are certain interactions that can occur. Uh, generally speaking, the evidence uh, that is behind, and VCS is a great resource. And Veterinary Cannabis Society, fortunately, you don't have to go through the tongue twister of remembering that. And you can go to vcs.pet, which is um, a membership organization, as I mentioned, the 501c3. So, Diane, your question is a perfect one because your dog might be an older canine, 12-year-old Labrador who's on trazodone, tramadol, or gabapentin, or any combination thereof for pain. And then all of a sudden, you're starting a medical cannabinoid product or a CBD product, and you would want to understand, is there going to be an interaction? Well, the good Absolutely. news is that VCS, not only can you become a member for a very inexpensive amount, um, you can go behind the into the research library and see this, or you can see. Um, actually, you can you can find veterinary cannabinoid experts, and VCS has uh, quite a panel of experts from former GW pharmaceutical um, executives to uh, the president, former president of the New York State Veterinary Medical Society. So. These are non-biased, objective leaders in the veterinary field who are studying medical cannabinoids for application with pets. And That's they great are, news. They are experts who can help guide you to uh, answer these kinds of questions because pet parents have exactly those questions. Exactly. Yep. Charles, I'm curious, how, how should companies, do you think, who offer these kinds of products build trust with their customers who are considering uh, trying a CBD product for their pet? Well, um, that's a great question. I think um, trust of any kind really comes from uh, listening to the problem. Pet parents, I've talked to probably over a thousand pet parents uh, easily about medical cannabinoids since 2016. And to establish trust, you need to listen to what the problem is for them. And primarily in the space of veterinary uh, use of cannabinoids, the problem is confusion. There's no clear guidance as to what 
these natural medical agents called cannabinoids can do and how we should use them. So to establish trust, you kind of have to know the proper terminology so you can answer your pet parent's uh, question. You have to understand the medical problem that sends them to your product. You'll have to kind of absorb their feedback and you have to iterate your product because no product that's made today will be as good as one made three years from now as the medical science advances on understanding these molecules. Then further to gain trust, something that all companies can do, you have to present clear information as to what you're trying to address, you have prompt uh, protection policies on return and product information. And then to be, you know, the most important thing I think is you have to have a real way to connect with your consumer and allow them to talk to a knowledgeable cannabinoid expert before sending them a bottle with some oil and molecules. Because most of the CBD pet products out there, you can't speak to anyone, you can't get any guidance. Right. And um, I hope that answers your question. There's a second medical part I'd like to go into, but I don't wanna overdo it. <laughs> I was the gonna say, I, yeah, I would go right part, into it. Sorry, yep. the medical part that's kind of important is that cannabinoids are biphasic. And again, I'm a lawyer for 30 years. We are very good at absorbing information. I was at one point an uh, expert on uh, pharmaceutical <laughs> and defended Merck. So uh, I've absorbed a lot of information through the Veterinary Cannabis Society and my found, founding that there are outstanding experts um, in the veterinary space who read the latest studies. And I can tell you that one of the most important things to understand about medical cannabinoids, including hemp, uh, is that they are biphasic, which means that they have a curve like caffeine and nicotine and alcohol, which is if you get too little, you don't get the desired effect. If you get the right amount, you get the optimal result. And if you get too much, you get a really strong downside. And that's not true for every molecule. Like it's not necessarily the same biphasic curve for CBD as it is for THC, but they all have this quality. So you need to be aware of that. And what happens for pet parents, when I say you have to connect with them and trying to build trust, which was the original question, mm -hmm. you kind of have to um, get some feedback from them because if they get the dosing wrong, what typically happens in a CBD pet parent case is they find a bottle of 2000 milligrams at their pet store of organic CBD and they've got their beautiful golden who's struggling to get up the stairs or on the bed and they start dosing and the instructions say, you know, give, you know, a half a dropper for your pets over 55 pounds. Well, because it's biphasic, because there are certain tolerances, if you don't have a little bit more detailed dosing instruction, a lot of times what pet parents have described to me as experiencing, we hear this again in the BCS world, is that the products have some efficacy at the beginning and then they taper off and, and they don't know what to do. Pet parents don't know what to do. And that's part of the mission of educating pet parents, giving them resources to understand how these molecules can actually help their pets. 
I think your answer here um, dovetails perfectly into our next question because uh, Charles, you talked about how important it is for you know people who offer and companies who offer these products to understand the terminology uh, and moreover the medical problems. So that kind of introduces you know the the importance of companies having a, a chief science officer um, or, and or a DVM involved with their company. I mean, how important do you think that um, companies who are considering offering these products uh, should consider offering those two positions and having those people um, having a say in what's happening with the products so that they can better connect? Oh, that's a good question. I think in a perfect world, all pet CB companies would have um, these attributes and positions filled from day one. Um, however, not all companies have these roles filled and uh, those that don't sometimes are just white labeling a CBD manufacturer in Denver's 2000 milligrams of organic CBD with hemp oil or MCT and putting their name on it and praying for the best. Um, so they don't have the desire to understand the medicine. They're trying to make a quick buck. And since the farm bill passed in 2018, I've been in the space since 20, late 2015. The deluge of companies without these officers has quadrupled. And the officers, and as a lawyer, the, you know, anyone can have the office title of a chief science officer. Um, but the real key from our perspective, and as mine as a pet parent and as a board member at BCS, is whether the products are being produced are designed for safety and efficacy of the pets that are going to use them. Okay. And, you know, a two-year-old puppy who's having epileptic seizures um, needs a different designed product than a 14-year-old um, schnauzer that's also having seizures, but for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Different molecules come into play, and I think I, I, I didn't really answer an earlier question, which was, what do we know about some of the other molecules? And I'd be happy to kind of fill that in because it's kind of important um, in, in understanding what's available. What do we know, Charles? Well, it's a great, it's a great subject because it's evolving VCS. Uh, if you become a member, you can read a lot of the latest studies. So it's not just the science. It's not the double blind clinical studies that are coming out from all around the world and including Colorado, Colorado State University, my alma mater, Cornell. Um, there's a lot of, lot of information on the molecules that come from the cannabis plant. And as we all know, there's over 140 compounds in okay. the cannabis plant. And they include the major molecules that we talk about all the time. Most pet parents are don't even have the chance to get educated as to what CBD stands for. It's actually an abbreviation for the molecule cannab cannabidiol. Right. Um, and to Diane, to answer your specific question, we're seeing a lot of promise uh, with other molecules, starting with the key acids, um, in, in cannabis terms, CBDA and THC are both precursor acids to their um, neutral base, which is CBD or THC. And both of those uh, acids have strong anti-inflammatory anti properties. 
according to the latest research. They also have some very, um, there's indications they have very strong anti-emetic properties, which can be very important for canines and felines facing cancer because they need to reduce nausea and vomiting so they can mm -hmm. have a normal uh, appetite and, and daily regimen of intake of nutrients necessary to fight cancer. So those molecules are, are emerging as bona fide, legitimate um, tools for a veterinarian community to use in appropriate cases. Other ones where there's growing body of evidence that, that uh, should be paid close attention to, CBG, this can be neuroprotective. Um, it can be anti-neoplastic, which I had to have the veterinarians explain to me what that means, which is a fancy way a vet says it's going to have anti-cancer properties. Wow. So um, in that category, THC is also anti-neoplastic. It's anti-inflammatory and it's an analgesic and it's very good at reducing pain. There's evidence as well that THC and CBG can be neuroprotective, which is, can be important for older pets right. uh, who are facing a diagnosis like uh, CCD, uh, canine cognitive decline, and they're struggling a little bit. I've talked to hundreds of pet owners whose pets are ex experiencing early phases of sundowners type anxiety wow. in the evening pacing, inability to settle at night. And some of these molecules, especially CBG and THC, if used appropriately, can help address those conditions. That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Very promising. Well, you know, at MNC Communications, we're all former journalists. And so that experience, it really helps us prepare our clients to take advantage of every media opportunity that comes up by positioning them really as industry leaders, as experts in that field who can give them some great interviews. And we call that insider media relations. And as part of that, Charles, I'm sure you've seen media cover the topic of CBD for pets. I mean, it's kind of all over the place, whether it's mainstream media, local media, or even industry media. So, I, excuse me, I'm, I want to know, in your opinion, is the media coverage clear enough to really convey the basic information to the pet parents? Well, I think we all know the answer to that question. And it's, it was <laughs> a big driver to the formation of BCS because uh, there's another landscape we haven't really talked about. And it's the legal landscape, which is an area I'm much better at because it's my original experience. And the legal landscape, as we all know, CBD is legal nationwide right. generally, although I just heard that uh, Idaho is changing the law as of this, this week. Um, I haven't verified that. So pet products and all human products may be coming off the shelves there. But um, the legal landscape is, is uh, another environment. It's challenging. I think the media um, could do a much better job to start with the mainstream media in helping pet parents uh, understand what they're looking at when they go out and type uh, CBD for my canine arthritis. So typically the mainstream media, in my opinion, uh, the coverage starts with the horror stories, right? Dog eats one half pound marijuana 
Um, and the horror stories really relate usually to THC ingestion, but if you dig down through it, it's ingestion of human products, which violates the first rule that we talked about at the beginning is that human products in cannabis are never appropriate for pets. So they contain things like chocolate or xylitol. These little known facts are left out of the article. Um, and so sometimes the, the mainstream media creates a, a sensational circumstance without really helping pet parents. And I think that THC has been a victim of that because the real data, if you dig into it, is that THC can actually be safely deployed as part of veterinary medical treatments and usually as a tincture designed for pets in the correct ratio with other cannabinoids. As we, you may know, CBD can actually modulate the potency of THC. Mm -hmm. So in designing a pet product, if you're seeking THC for pain relief, you would also want to have a significant amount of TH of CBD to bring in the modulation as well as the anti-inflammatory properties of CBD. So um, the mainstream media seizes on these stories and pumps them up. And if you really dig into the facts, and these are, I'm just repeating what my veterinary uh, professional experts have told me is number one, there's no LD, which is a lethal dose for 50% of the dogs for THC. In fact, um, you would have to dose a dog more than 3000 milligrams per kilogram of body weight to create a dangerous fatal situation. None of the products that are out there should ever even approach these potencies mm -hmm. if everyone's doing their job. And the veterinary community that has studied these cannabinoids, including THC, um, said, has said that THC actually has a wide safety margin compared to most pharmaceuticals. So if you imagine a scenario where you have a tincture that's properly prepared for your pet that contains THC, or you have a bottle of trazodone and you come home and your pet's eaten one or the other, chances are uh, it looks like the evidence is going to be pretty clear that the, the pharmaceuticals can actually uh, be less safe right. in that type of scenario. Um, and, and so the mainstream media needs to do a better job at looking at this like these are uh, molecules, they're medical molecules, they're not political tools, they're not anything beyond what they can do. And that's where I think BCS comes in because we provide a lot of education for these professionals and pet parents. I think that's a great point. I mean, we're nobody here is railing on mainstream media, but um, it, it's, it's where we um, where we see uh, the most amount of eyes and ears on on larger stories. So what do you think is the best way um, that we as a community, a cannabis community, can go out and educate the press? And I, I don't care if it's a mainstream media or even a local reporter who may be fresh out of journalism school. You know, what's the best way that we can um, you know, try to get them to understand the basics behind pets and cannabinoids like CBD? Well, that's a great question, Jordan. And, and the reality is 
you know, goes to the exact pillar you identified is just like pet parents, producers of pet products, um, and veterinarians, the press also needs education. And um, they need to, once they have the education, there'll be less of a temptation to write the sensational story and start maybe with the facts. So um, VCS is a great place. We have a quarterly coffee house where any member can join the, the discussion on a Zoom call every quarter and talk to the some of the top veterinary cannabinoid experts in the country and hear what's happening. So if I was on the press and this was my little segment, I'd probably want to start with understanding what I'm talking about a little bit more than just repeating what I heard or uh, creating something sensational where the facts could be presented a little bit more helpfully for the pet community and pet parents. Yeah, education's key, uh, obviously, yeah. in, in this arena. Yes. Uh, Charles, I, I'm curious, I'd like to pick your brain here about what tips might you have uh, for a business uh, that might want to land a CBD for pet story? Any, any thoughts? Uh, well, that's a great question. Um, I think you, I, I always have the same hallmarks, Mitch, because there's so much confusion in this area and I, you know, it's sad, but I've heard legislators use the wrong terminology in presenting their own legislation. And what we want to do is, uh, you know, a business owner who wants to land a story, you got to know the proper terminology. And you've got to understand that sometimes you can't get a story on something like, oh, what's organic cannabis look like in California? Well, as far as I know, and I'm pretty up to date, that's not been approved. There's no such thing as organic cannabis. There's organic hemp, but organic cannabis. So if you're trying to look for a pet story about that, you want to understand and know what you're looking and trying to look at and understand and use the right terminology. Again, you know, if you want to land a pet story, listen to your, your sources and understand what the root of the problem is and, and try to frame it in a way that it's going to provide an answer for a broader group uh, rather than a sensational headline or uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah, clarity is key, certainly there too, yeah. absolutely. Well, you know, CBD businesses uh, and the owners of these businesses are, they're constantly on the lookout for ways to strengthen their businesses and then whether any kind of threats to their reputation, their bottom line. And we help clients find those opportunities in every challenge, uh, kind of polish their reputations, prepare for the unexpected. And that's really building a resilient CBD brand. So that, that leads us to our next question, Charles. You know, what are some of the biggest challenges presently um, that CBD companies face when they begin to offer these products for pets? Well, I think there's, there's three that I see. Um, and the first one I'm just going to state, there's no solution. The market's saturated with products that are a combination of imported hemp uh, with some kind of base oil and a fancy label and some claim or no claim. Um, that's what it is. And our theory of capitalism will take care of that. 
or regulators will build barriers to entry that will create a different industry. Mm -hmm. um, more realistically, um, CBD companies, some of the bigger challenges I think ahead are, uh, especially when I put on my hat as a BCS member uh, and look at the landscape, is going to be compliance. So, for example, California passed AB 45 um, recently without much fanfare. Uh, I sit on an advocacy committee. Uh, I've watched the AB uh, 2215 go through in California, which allowed vets to discuss medical cannabis. And then we were just behind uh, AB 1885 that Governor Newsom signed last month uh, that allows veterinarians to recommend medical cannabis. And I'm using my words very, very carefully here. Um, but as a, as a, a company trying to uh, face the challenges ahead, I think that the legal landscape in this environment will be very uh, difficult. In the hemp world, there are some suggestions, and I know one of your prior guests was an expert um, in, in uh, the farm bill, and we know that the 20, uh, uh, 2023 farm bill is coming up. If the FDA chooses to regulate CBD in a certain way, that's going to present a real challenge for CBD companies um, in very much in the same way that uh, cannabis companies are really struggling to create MSOs, multi-state operators, because of the time and expense of complying with this patchwork of regulations. And I think from a, a CBD company uh, strategic planning standpoint, that that regulatory environment and compliance could be a big challenge. And the third part of the challenge is really fundamental and I won't spend much time on it, it's just making a safe and efficacious product that Pepcarns trust. Because I, I think so many providers out there are in the game of I got you. I got you for 69 bucks and, and 500 milligrams of something. And you don't know how to get me, you can't email me, you can call some number that might get you somewhere, maybe, but not a lot else is gonna happen. And I think that really overcoming the market saturation by offering a safe, efficacious product and a process for pet parents that creates the trust that we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. is gonna be essential to, to the challenges ahead for these CBD companies. You know, Charles, you talked a little bit about the 2023 Farm Bill. Is there anything specific in there that you know of that um, business owners who are going to be selling uh, CBD for pets, anything they should be concerned about, any potential changes that they should know about that would be time to talk to the legislators now regarding the bill? I don't. And I'll be the first to tell you I haven't read that the draft. Um, what I do know is that um, CBD companies and cannabis companies that serve pets have to um, be aware really what's happening in their own state. And yes. in the pet universe, that includes and starts with typically the business and professions organization charged with the responsibility of monitoring veterinary behavior in California, that's called the Veterinary Medical Board. And I know for a fact uh, from my work at VCS that um, the agenda uh, 
as far as CBD and pets is actually being pushed faster at the state level than it might be in the 2023 farm bill or otherwise. The farm bill will have an overarching impact, but there are three states, for example, that are currently being considered for legislative proposals that allow veterinarians to do the big three things, discussed, recommend, and dispense cannabinoids, okay? <laughs> so in the pet the cannabis universe, the vets should lead this activity, which is why we formed the Veterinary Cannabis Society. They are the experts and they will become educated or they'll be like lawyers and they'll say, I'm too old. I can't learn all this stuff about cannabinoids. It's too hard. But the expert is so-and-so. Talk to them. And Thank lawyers you. do that all the time. I don't know anything about X, but talk to this person. That happens. It's the way the medical profession is built. The veterinary profession is the same way. VCS is creating a space for the brightest minds to come together and present neutral facts on these medical cannabinoids. So um, we're actually involved both on the national level. We've been in contact with Normal. We've been in contact with the US Hemp Roundtable because we believe both, both of those organizations should have a representative representing pets who are natural consumers of these molecules. And pet parents driving this market is no small deal that's predicted to be somewhere between 175 million and 225 million dollars on pet products by 2025 okay i read that in a recent report that uh put together i think it's by hemp uh, roundtable in fact so there's incentive to get the right people involved so the, the information can be disseminated and help pet parents. And really, we all have the first obligation of VCS is the, the safety and welfare of the animals because they can't tell us if the product's yeah. bad. They can't say, don't give me my dose today. They can't say it's causing GI upset or they can't say, you know, I'm, I'm too lethargic. They can't tell us any of those things. So. True. That's extremely important. Yeah. Yeah. Number one priority. You know, Charles, we often see challenges at, at, at MNC as opportunities, especially to educate. Um, we've seen people use social media as kind of a sounding board when it comes to what they feel may be mistreatment of their pets at, say, a vet's office. So how would you suggest business owners react to situations like this when a client maybe is unhappy with the products they were offered? How can they use those negative scenarios, perhaps, as teachable moments for current and future clients? Well, it all starts That's a good question, Mitch, and I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it all starts with listening to the nature of the complaint. And if the complaint is about a side effect that wasn't disclosed, okay, talk to the pet parent. If the complaint is about the packaging of the product, uh, and that made it hard to use, okay, address that. If the complaint is about, um, you know, my package came so late, you address that. It, whatever it is, you have to, in social media, and I'm 
furthest thing from a social media expert. <laughs> but I do talk to a ton of pet parents. And what they always want is they want to be heard. Right. And they want to see you taking affirmative action or telling them why that affirmative action has been considered and rejected or isn't appropriate at this time. Um, so that's kind of the way that you try, I try to take it a negative social media uh, event and turn it into a teachable. It's first it's teachable for me because something went wrong somewhere in my chain of responsibility that has created this problem. So I have to figure out what that was and can I remedy it? And then I have to clearly and accurately communicate with the aggrieved customer. And I, I don't know how many of you are pet parents, but we all have the hard stories of yeah. service from veterinarians. Right. And the sad news is I saw another report from Mars, which owns um, VCA, which is the largest pet care chain in North America, I believe, that, um, and this is something that VCS is focused on because we offer scholarships for vets and vet techs who are interested in studying medical cannabis because we understand this modality of medicine has to start in the veterinary schools. I was shocked as a lawyer to learn there's, there isn't a veterinary school in every state in the country. Right. There's only something like 32 or 33 and they're accredited just like law schools. That made sense to me. But without an opportunity to educate the vets, this whole medical modality of cannabinoids, it kind of has a disconnect. You have the market pushing it, but you don't have the experts behind it. And so VCS started a scholarship just this year for vets and vet techs who want to uh, become educated. They're beginning to offer what they call race certified courses, which are uh, continuing education courses for veterinarians who can become educated about medical cannabinoids uh, safety and efficacy in animals. And this is very important because it all starts with education. Well, Charles, I think that's so important because educating everybody from the pet parents to the media, it's it's all very, very important. And, uh, and to have a, an organization like yours where you can go and find that latest research is so important. So thank you so much for this interview. Charles Lozo, who is the co-founder of Veterinary Cannabis Society. Um, you've been just a fabulous guest on the Move the Stairs podcast. One more time, remind us where we can find you. What's your website again? Uh, right now, we're just about to launch our website. It's going to be rightratiocbd.com. That's my own personal product. VS, VCS Pet is the 501c3 that we would like all your listeners to visit and become educated about the safe and efficacious use of medical cannabinoids for their furry loved ones. That's great. Is that vcspet.com or .org? It's vcs.pet, believe it or not. Oh, it's, it's vcs.pet. Excellent. Yes. Okay. Cool. It's the, you can go the long route and type in veterinarycannabissociety.org, or you can go the short route and type in vcs.pet. You know, I we like, like the, the short route. Yeah, yeah, we like the short route around here, believe me. Well, thank you again. This has been fascinating. I learned a, a ton today. Yes. Um, so I, I'm really grateful that you were with us. Thank you. Thank you all. You bet. Very enjoyable.
You know, guys, I thought I'm just thinking back to this great conversation and, and talking about customer service. And one of the things that I heard all the way through this, but it, it is so important for for customer service and building trust is really listening so you can find out where those issues are. And that's a great opportunity to educate. So I really love that point that he gave us. Yeah. And, you know, when, when talking about insider media relations, I feel like this is such a niche topic um, and trying to find experts can be really, really difficult. If you call up uh, your local veterinarian's office, I would wager you're probably going to have a difficult time getting somebody who really knows their stuff when it comes to cannabis and pets. Um, so I really like the um, the resource that Charles offered about these quarterly um, coffee roundtables that they do yeah. by Zoom um, and would certainly encourage reporters who are working on a more in-depth piece to sit in and learn a little bit from people who are devoting their professional lives to uncovering more information about this topic. Yeah. And get a leg up on their competitors, <laughs> frankly, exactly. by educating themselves about some of this. Yes. Exactly. Instead of just going with what's circulating out there, what's hot on social media. When he talked about building a resilient uh, CBD brand, I did the same thing. I jotted down listening and I realized I had done it like three times, yeah. but that was so key. And, and we have, we see so many companies, I have this wonderful product. I'm going to really push this, but listening to what your clients are looking for, what they need and what serves them the best uh, will go a long way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it was a great conversation with our special guest, Charles Lazo, co-founder of Veterinary Cannabis Society on the Move the Stairs podcast. We thank you so much for listening, and we certainly hope you'll join us again soon for the next all-new episode of the Move the Stairs podcast.